There's the status quo, and then there are the game changers. They write books and make films about game changers, people who put a dent in the universe. Are you one of them? This series explains everything you need to know to be a game changer and how to win at the game of business and life. Today's episode is made possible by Think Next, Act Now, a movement that trains and mentors tomorrow's entrepreneur today. And now, here are your hosts, Bill Woodich and Todd Schnick. All right, welcome back to the show about how to become a game changer. Understanding that business and life is a game and you have to play it well and play to win. Welcome to episode three, where we're going to discuss the think and do effect. Critically important here. So I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Bill Woodich. Good morning, my friend. Uh, great to be with you. Looking forward to this very important conversation. As am I. So before we get into the think and do effect, tell me what it means to actually be a game changer and, and why do we have to have a series like this? I think it's important to be a game changer if we understand that the game of life and I make life a game and business, which is its subset, is best served by those people who at the point of contact, who want the responsibility, who want to make things happen, who can influence the result, who are prepared to make a difference. Those people change the whole dynamic of the game. They can change an industry. They can be the industry leader. They can come out with ideas on, on the entrepreneurial edge. Those are the people who other people will look to embrace or maybe possibly struggle and fight. But those are the people who become remarkable and relevant because they're in it, making and changing the rules of the game. Well, one thing that I've learned through this process is that game changers op operate under the think and do effect. So we're going to spend today going deep on think and do effect. So give us a quick overview. What exactly is it? Think and do comes from instinct where there's this little tug and then it becomes a thought. And that thought then has to be followed by an action. I think there has to be a deliberate thought. Okay, what are we doing here? What's going on? What's this? And then as quickly as possible, an action behind it. Because most people, Todd, don't think and won't do. So a lot of people will sit and think. They waste opportunity and time. And today, everything is about fast and accurate. You've got to be the first one. A lot of times in life, winners win because they show up. Showing up prepared is sometimes a bonus. But a lot of people just don't show up in life. They're not going to show up. They're going to wait. They're going to demure. They're going to wait till the situation is perfect. And it's never a perfect situation. We have to go. So the thought and action has been the difference maker for me, getting me out of the backwoods of Western Pennsylvania, foreclosed future, working in a factory to the beaches of California. If I was going to put one thing on my car license plate, think and do. The shorter the distance between thought and action, the greater the likelihood of success in the endeavor. It's a truism for me. I own that. It's almost sad that this is something that we have to talk about. I mean, it seems so obvious. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. We understand the idea of think and do. Is it fair to assume that what's the most common scenario here is that most people are just thinking, 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 and never doing because they're fear, they're, there's something they're afraid of. Or there are people that just take blind action, right? And then they wonder why they don't <laughs> succeed. So they're just not doing the thinking, right? I mean, is that, is that the, the two common scenarios? It, those two scenarios, neither, neither is preferable and neither is desirable for a successful outcome because that's resistance winning when people are just thinking and they're contemplating under the guise of it's got to be perfect and I have to think this, this thing through. You know, you, you're sitting there thinking and someone else has already taken your dream date out. Okay, you're still wondering what, how you're going to approach her. 
you're looking at in terms of a business relationship, you're thinking about how you're going to approach a particular client. Someone else has already ha- has that client out to dinner. So there are people who take those actions. There are people that think about it. The people that think about it stay in that cocoon of resistance and, and uncertainty, and they never get out of the shadows. By the time they do, it's, ar- it's already over. All that's left is the crumbs. The other ones that do are just bold and brash and don't think, think things through are uh, e- equally as, uh, I think, bad as the ones that don't think. I think we have to get out there with thought and action. It has to be an intelligent thought, but there has to be an action behind it. Now, let me give you an example. If you're driving down the road, you're thinking about calling Joe. There's an instinct that comes up. I should call Joe. I haven't talked to him in six months. All of a sudden, two days later, you, know, you haven't called him. Joe calls you. Joe, I was just thinking about calling you. That to me is a personal level of think and do where that thought comes to my mind. And I think as we talk about a game changer, thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next, part of the what's next context is what do we do? So we have to take an action. What's next, what's next is a thought. But what's next has to coalesce as an action for there to be a desirable result. Well, when I think of that example you just uh, you said, when Joe calls you and you say, oh, I was just thinking about calling you. <laughs> when that happens to me, if I'm Joe in this story, I say, oh, you're full of it. Right. You piece of, come on, really? Don't, you're feeding me a line of crap here. Well, th- th- that's just on a phone call. Imagine how, if, if that kind of scenario is playing out in, in something that really matters. And that's where people really get stuck. So well, two things you've lost there, momentum yeah. and credibility. And it's very difficult to get the former back. The latter, credibility, you only get a chance to lose that once. Yep, yep. If I had heard you talk about Think and Do 10, 15 years ago, when I was at a very different point in my life and in my career, and I heard you talk about this idea of thinking and doing, my question to you at that time would have been, oh, wait a minute, thinking is obviously important here. When do I know when I thought enough to take action? How do, how do I understand that? Look, I recognize I have to think about something because mm-hmm. I want to take an action, but when do I know I'm ready to do? I think there are two senses that businesses thrive on. One's a sense of urgency and the other is common sense. Everything else is just numbers. And I think there has to be that internal clock, that internal clock that says, it's showtime, it's go time right now. There has to always be that pull, 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 pull. You've got to want to engage. You've got to want to get off the sideline, stop being an observer in life, and you, want, you have to be a participant. That's got to be an internal pull. I came up with Think and Do. I'll give credit to a former leader of mine. He hired me. He was the president of a large international company. And he said, what it, you know the difference between you and everybody else? He said, here it is. You know, it, it's not all these other measurable things because there's probably not many of them. But the one thing you do is you take an action. You think about something and you just do it. And there's a real short window right there between that thought and action. And I went, wow, there you go. And that was probably 20 some years ago. Think and do and think and do. And so I made it a guiding mantra in my company. And the people that move forward, the people that move forward and make very successful lives for themselves and enterprises for themselves, follow, think, and do religiously. They know what it is. Think, 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 then do. It's got to be that internal pull. Man, you got to get out there and do it. Talk about the difference between designing and leading here versus reacting and following. I think we design, we design, and then we can lead. Reaction is always going to be playing someone else's game. If we react, we're always going to follow. So we're never getting the first punch out there because think and do would take us thought to action. We're going to be the leader. So we're designing change when we're able to think and then do and implement the change behind it. Show up, talk with people, find out what they want, find out what their desirable is, find out what their must-haves are, and make our approach amenable to that by thinking and doing. Or we're going to be following the competition. And we're always going to follow the competition. We're going to be sucking their fumes the whole way through. Design change, be the one that gets out there. Better to hit in football than to be hit. Well, that's, I was going to go there next. I mean, that's a critical metaphor here. I mean, talk about why that's so important. 
Well, it's important because you're going to set what? You set the tone. You set the tone, you set the pace. It's the pace of business, the pace, the pace, the pace, because you want to be out there making things happen and move because pace is very important. Now, people don't want to be besieged. They don't want to be have you envelop them with all the stuff and throwing up on their desk all the time. No, but they want to feel that subtle, subtle presence. You always want to be on their radar. You never want to be off the radar. And when it's time to go, you got to be in front of that person. That's the only way business moves. That's the axis we have to move from. But thinking more about that metaphor, I mean, any football player will tell you, and me, this uh, retired hockey player, will tell you that hitting is a lot less painful than being hit, right? <laughs> How does that apply to life and business? Uh, I have the same uh, same analogy to tell you <laughs> that. It, it is because one is a reaction, one is, Pam, when you're hitting, you've got that, you're already geared it up for it. You're ready, you're girded, you're ready to hit. Bam, you're going into something because you're, bam, it's in your sights. A lot of times the blind side hits in life are the ones that hurt the worst. We don't see that thing coming. And then you, the only reaction you have is to try to get up off the ground or get off the boards in hockey, right? Mm-hmm. So you get up off the ice. But I think that's very important to set tone and pace, tone and pace. And one of the things I did and I preach and teach in my company is you got to move. Man, you got to have that sense of urgency and you got to be on point. Game changers got to get out there and you have to engage. You have to think and you have to do and you have to be, I want to say this, agile. You got to be agile today. And you have to be quick, you have to be accurate, but you got to move. All right. Bill and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, Tachnik, back with Bill Woodich. So I hear you, and this is very much a momentum sport, and you have got to move, and you have to act quickly, act swiftly. I think that's a, a big discomfort for a lot of people. They're afraid of moving too fast and making mistakes. And when I think on that myself, Bill, I say, yeah, you might make some mistakes out of the gate, but I think you're going to realize that the mistakes that you might make are not necessarily bad mistakes. They're learning opportunities that enable you to move even quicker and learn quicker. And then down the road, you're going to get better at this. And so you're going to make fewer mistakes. Am I right on that? I call it failing forward. Fail often and keep learning. You're going to fail as part of the bargain in life. It depends how you define failure. Some of us define failure as a learning opportunity. Others define failure as fatal. And if either one, in either case, it's going to be your reality. Keep moving forward. And failure is part of the bargain. When you talked about being uncomfortable, you become more comfortable the more you do things. The more you learn that those things won't kill you, you know, that will only make you stronger, as Nietzsche said. You keep moving and you become comfortable and embrace the pain because pain is where change and gain comes from. We know this, right? I mean, we've experienced this our whole lives. And when you do something for the first time, it's spooky, but then the second time, it's easy, right? Well, we, Why yeah. do we still get hung up on that? Well, we know it. I think we need to go back into, those, into that reservoir of thought that remembers that 
and actually play that forward as this is what's going to happen. So we can use that memory, that imagination to play forward and say, well, we've already bec- we've already gone through this. You know, think about this. Think about and baseline your worst experience in life and ask, what's the worst thing that can happen to me if I do this? And then just go forward from there. If the thing is short of killing you, it's probably something that's going to be worthwhile if you measure it and must have and, and you're really willing and able to cross that Rubicon. That's what I think. You uh, led off this episode by talking about instinct. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so mission critical here. And when I compare myself to some other colleagues over the years, and I had more sales success than they did, I ultimately came to the conclusion that I had different instincts. I don't want to say necessarily better instincts, but I suppose I did. I mean, instinct is really critical here, right? I mean, that's part of the the driver of confidence that you can think and move swiftly. To me, instincts, if I was going to put a percentage on it, and I'm only talking, of course, from a subjective standpoint, would probably comprise 80% of success. I think instincts are, are critical. I think it is mission critical. And I think our instincts mean, to me, when we talk about instincts in the context of what we're talking about, we have to be able to feel. We have to be able to feel from the environment. We have to be able to feel for another person. We have to be able to measure, engage, and change our approach. Maybe the volume of our voice. Maybe we have to change and become a little different in some ways, not losing our person. But we have to have the instinct to say, I feel I should probably put be putting this in play now, or maybe I should back off a little bit over here. And maybe I'm not the right person to engage. Maybe there's someone else I know that's my ally that can help me with this endeavor. That's instinct, and it's also awareness. Thinking about instincts, is there a way to improve your instincts or is the problem really just listen to them and actually trust them? You just nailed it. I think it's the ability to listen to your instincts. I think sometimes we don't want to hear, we feel an instinct. And I, I think we don't want to feel that. So we start to rationalize what we want to, what we want to see in our head. And that's what we have to overcome is that clutter, that noise in our head that says, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but when our instincts are guiding us in a different way. There's two senses that guide me. One is my head, the other is my gut, and I always go with my gut. And if I go against that, I'm probably going to end up losing money. Well, we've said throughout the first three episodes, it's come up quite a bit that you know the answers to this stuff. You really know that. And when you have that realization, it's comforting. And, and what, I, what I'm asking you, those listening, is you've experienced that. What that means is that your instincts are on. Just trust them. Yes. They're just not trusting them. Learn to trust your instincts. I think that's the guide. Learn to trust your instincts, follow your instincts, and your instincts will lead you to the path that you desire to go. And I think they'll lead you successfully down that path. So much in life is instinct to me. It is instinct, and instinct is always that that precursor to moving forward. You've said you have to think deliberately and act decisively. So let's talk about think deliberately, because I think most people don't know how to do that. I think people say, oh, I've been thinking all the time. No, you're just, you're just conscious. <laughs> you're not right. actually right. thinking deliberately. Yeah, right. and, and I think if people understood what that really meant and how to do it, they could think and act more swiftly because that's the real proactive way to understand a direction you want to take. I just think people don't realize they don't know how to think deliberately. Talk about that. Pick up a pen unless you're driving, then don't pick up a pen. Uh, Write down the words, what if, what if. So think in terms, when you think, think in terms of what if. What if I do this? What if this happens? What if this happens? Think of that. And then put down on a page, put down a big T. On the left side of that column, put down all the things that could go, what you want to do, could go wrong, what might happen, and then all the things that could go right on the right column. Let's start thinking through the opportunities in there the opportunities that exist, and let's start writing them down. And that's the way we start to think about the what if, and it starts to expand, it starts to spool even further out in terms of our possibilities and consequences of actions, and then take the actions that line up with the thoughts. 
I think that's one of the ways to critically think because a lot of times we're not taught to critically think. We, no. we just, we just, we're, we're, we're aware of certain things or we buy certain things on rote that other people tell us. And then we just follow this mantra and we open up the corporate dialogue and all we do is point to a proposal or a, a you know, one of our brochures and say, this is what we do. No, we have to be able to critically think things through, play the what if factor, play it forward down the road. What happens if I do this? What happens if I don't do this? And then take the action that corresponds to what you must have. I'm comforted to hear you say that. The idea of creating, putting the T on a piece of paper and having Mm -hmm. the two columns, that's actually a process that I do when I think about a decision I have to make. And I think it's really important to actually really write this down on a Mm -hmm. piece of paper. Thinking about it in your head, I don't think it's as effective as writing it down. I mean, am I right on that? There's an ancient saying that uh, no man steps into the same stream twice because the water's going by, the plankton's going by, the, the wildlife's going by, and you're not the same person that steps in there twice. What I've learned in trying to create and collaborate, even with you, is that if I think something in the car or I think something on a plane, I think, I'm going to capture that. I'm going to tell Todd about this and and I'll lose it in about 10 minutes and I don't don't even remember what I wanted to tell him about. So you have to to, to actually write something down helps your memory that the people will say that, that I've read anyway by about 33 and a third percent. So about 33 and a third percent of memory is enhanced by actually writing things down. Not only do you bring it back, but you actually are more prone if you actually take a pen not that Apple uh, device you have over there, <laughs> but you actually take a pen to paper and write it. There's something that happens with the mind with that. Don't but you're know actually what it is, thinking, though. You're I mean, so if, you're, if yeah. you're in the car and you're noodling on an idea, well, then you're going to also suddenly listen to a song and then you're going to get angry at some guy cuts you off in traffic. Perfect. I mean, no, stay with thought. Let me stay with thought. Because in two and a half years of vetting the subject of fear, this is what I learned about thinking and why people don't like to think and why they don't pre- prefer to think. Because the brain. The brain likes to preserve itself. The function of the, br- of the brain is to preserve itself. It preserves itself by slowing down and it runs off of calories, glucose, sugar. It, we run off of calories in our brain. So if we go on rote, how did you get here today? What are you doing here? Rote is that R-O-T-E. That means we're just going kind of on autopilot. So most of the things we do in life, the brain forces us to go on autopilot. To critically think burns calories. So see, the brain thinks that it's starving, so it doesn't like to critically think. It doesn't like to be challenged right there. So all of a sudden, we're back in the days of our ancestors, and and we're trying to survive. It goes to rote. It's easier to cut corners, look, find the answer from someone else, and not burn the calories to critically think. But that's the difference maker between being a game changer and just playing the game. Yep, most of your competitors out there, they aren't thinking. They're not thinking at all. And most of them aren't doing either. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's for sure. I've heard you say you have to create your own environment for action and achievement. What do you mean by that? Well, I think this is the most important thing as a leader or a mentor. What you have to understand is this, that you're not giving someone any opportunity. They're going to see, seize, and create that opportunity from the environment that you cultivate. The environment is all you can give. So you have to make the environment fertile. Is it fertile for everyone? No, but it's going to be fertile for those game changers who are willing to take the risk to critically think, to be able to think and do, and that activity will actually rule their success. That's the environment from which you lead. So you have to create that type of a self-feeding environment where winning, winning is defined as, are you doing your best? Are you putting this out there? Are you becoming the best form of competitor for you? That's where it's got to start. So you're defining the terms, you're comprising the players, you're cutting the players that aren't going to make your grade, because as a leader, you will be known more for what you tolerate than what you ever achieve. All right. 
But then there's going to be naysayers when you do, and you take an action, you throw a line out in the sand, someone's going to respond, someone's going to be critical. And in my personal opinion, most of the time, they're just jealous that they didn't do it. But talk about how to deal with the naysayers. You need, I would go up and embrace and give them a kiss on the cheek because you need your naysayers. Those are the people that are going to show you how close you are to going where you have to go. And you know what? There's some credibility in some of the naysayers as well. And there's a lot of vitriol. So we always have to look at the person and say, what's the intent here? What's the agenda and motive? So ask yourself, listener, what's the agenda and motive of this person? Where are they coming at me from? So a lot of people will come to me in the context of this is good for the company. You have to wait through five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, but eventually it's going to be about them because it's always about them. It's going to be about what the other person wants on their agenda and their motive. So I think that's very important to embrace and keep our naysayers close. I think we can be covered in sycophants who all they do is kiss our backside and we're never going to get perspective. You know, they're drinking the Kool-Aid and and so are we. We need naysayers to show us where we are. Yeah, very, very important. But you can't let them drive you and dictate you and, and get you off track and make you think, oh, I'm doubting my instinct now. Well, they always made me stronger. So when I was told, and this is just a personal DNA chip that I have, and it's probably the AB normal part of my brain. But when I was told I couldn't do something, man, I was damn determined I was going to do it. So that, that has to drive a game changer, I think. And I think a lot of game changers that I've known, people that have actually changed the game, made a difference for themselves. They loved it when people told them they couldn't do something because the sweetest victory comes when people are booing. All right. You're on, you're on uh, enemy turf and you, you're raising the flag and you're raising the trophy and it's silence, man. You won. So what you're saying is game changers embrace naysayers and, and leverage what they're doing. Uh, someone who is intimidated and paralyzed by naysayers, they're not, they're not game changers. We can learn something from everyone. It depends on how we value what we learn and how we use what we learn. I think there's a value in every association, every kind of contact. It's inconsequential as it may seem at the time. We can always learn something. But I think those of us who would let others dictate to us, we're not changing the game. We're letting them keep us in the penalty box of life. Don't, don't cede your personal responsibility to flourish in life to another. Don't give yourself, your person, your self-respect, and your career and future to another. You take it. We've talked about insecurity in episode one. I mean, that plays into this. If you are insecure, you're going to be swayed by the naysayers, right? If you have self-respect and you have confidence, not arrogance, but if you have confidence, naysayers don't threaten you. I think reality dictates to me that we're all going to be swayed to a certain degree. It's it's the degree by naysayers. I mean, we're always going to take a stop probably and say, oh, wait, and we're probably going to calibrate. The ones of us who, who are willing to change the game and understand the game are going to take it through our process understand it for what it is, pull it to the light of awareness, say, this is what's really happening here, here's what's really happening, and then just go forward. You have to become your own force multiplier, right? What is that all about? You have to become your force multiplier. You have to be able to get in the field of life, get in there and have the talent that you've grown, have the skill set that you've learning, that you learned, and have, have the requisite ability to get out and be that one person that can change the hearts and win the, win the minds of the many. I think that's the key. You could have one person at the point of contact that can sway thousands because they are in alignment with that authentic message inside. And the people are buying that messenger. They're buying that messenger. You've got to be your own force multiplier. You become that. You become more valuable to yourselves when you become more valuable to others. And you're more valuable to others when you have something to contribute that is of value. It's got to extend beyond your product. It has to extend to you. 
as we close this episode on Think and Do, any final thoughts on someone who says, all right, now that I think back and reflect on how I operate in the world, I'm not, I'm not living Think and Do. I want to understand it. Any, any last counsel you can share on how to get this process started to start making this a habit? Take a Nike swoosh and just do it. Yeah. I, I think that's the most important thing. I, I think if we understand the reason for our hesitation, understand that it traces to a resistance, a resistance is the, is the cousin of fear. And I think if we understand that's what's happening and that's, that's what's winning in life, we, may, we have to take control of the process. We have to be able to take those small steps and close that distance between a thought and an action. Just try it and watch the difference it makes. Just try it. And as you said earlier, uh, you build momentum. And that is game changing. The hardest thing to build in life, I think, is momentum. And it's the easiest thing to lose. You sure as hell know when you have it. When you're surfing that wave of momentum, and momentum comes from an activity that will rule your success. And you got that stuff going. It's like a big wave and you're on it. And if you don't keep going, you stop, you hesitate, you take a couple of days and just take it off. All of a sudden, the momentum starts going backward. I think the universe conspires to help those who help themselves. And when that wave is going, it's the greatest flow feeling in the world. But when it stops, man, it is hard as hell to get back. Yep. I mean, if you're following that always forward mindset and you understand the destination of what winning means for you and becoming a game changer, and then you understand the idea of think and do, momentum becomes easy. I mean, it's self-generating, right? And that's the whole point. Beautiful is the point. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Bill, before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have any questions on how to become a game changer? Well, think and then do. Punch in Bill Woodich, W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H dot com. Bill Woodich dot com. Just think about it and then do it. All right. I'm doing it. All right. Tune in next week for the next episode where we're going to discuss becoming the CEO of your life. So on behalf of my colleague, Bill Woodich, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you next week on Be a Game Changer. So until then, remember, always forward.